Hi, good friends. I hope this finds you in good health and secure. Today, uh, we're going to start, if not complete, the uh, 27th chapter of the 28th chapter Lotus Sutra. Um, Yeah, we don't we don't have the uh, the threefold Lotus Sutra in this BDK translation because uh, they're sticking to the Tripitaka. But anyway, so we're reading the BDK translation, right? And just before we start, just know that all those times that I've said to you that when we practice to enlighten ourselves, what's the term? There's a term. There's several terms for this, but. Um, Oh gosh, where did you go? Oh, medicine king voice up. Chant Daimoku. Oh, Sylvain, you're so disorganized. Oh yeah, kind of like you. Um, I'm I'm asked. We've talked about this when I've talked about Kozen Rufu or world peace or how do we change the world around us as we uh, practice. Um, I have other videos on that. You can use the search on the home page of this channel uh, to look up keywords about that. Um, we radiate, right? We're all everything. The entire cosmos is energy in every form imaginable and certainly from potential, quiescent energy, there's no limit to the formations, yeah? I was just uh, watching PBS, uh, oh, what's it called? That guy's a, a really good narrator. Space Time, it's a science show. Don't worry, I'm not going to get deep into maths, but he was talking about uh, the measurement problem. It's a, it's a quantum thing. And uh, it made me smile so many times because... In a, in a very weird way and, and very real way. And I could do a video on this if enough of you are interested. But the terminologies for, you know, the many worlds interpretation, the Copenhagen interpretation, everything from Schrodinger's cat to... It's all about dissecting this moment. Hmm? when things instantiate. And it just made me almost giggle um, to hear how much for, I mean, a hundred years now, scientists and mathematicians have been working so hard to define the characteristics of what they don't understand to be potential. This, this quantum in and out of manifestation, this wave function, this all possibilities exist until it's measured, is just another way of talking about formations from potential. And trying to identify potential is a fool's errand because potential is just potential. Until it there's a formation that occurs, some action is taken, hmm? then the form that comes of that action is not something you can predict. 
It just isn't. <laughs> but they don't look at it that way. They're so into their maths and their dissections that they materialistically thinking, right, samsara, that potential must be a thing too. <laughs> it's the very not thing that Shakyamuni talked about all the time. Um, this is the early thinking in early Buddhist teaching, this uh, adherence to non-origination. Uh, what is it that's not originating? Or the act of origination, that there is none? See, that's a samsaric sticking point. Once you get to full Mahayana, to Lotus Sutra, it becomes pretty clear that formations is the whole ball game as far as liberating us from that material thinking to experience the process with full engagement and appreciation of just observing it, not heaping all sorts of what? See, writing equations about things it's all well and good, but it's a way of possessing, craving, clinging. <laughs> right? You watch fish swimming in a pond. It's because it's wondrous to watch. Not because you need to know the, air, the fluid dynamics of how it moves in the water and its fins and how it breathes. And you can know all that and that's great. Or you could just sit and watch the fish play in the water. Do what they do. That's amazing enough. <laughs> anyway, back to uh, back on course here. That our enlightenment affects, affects, it's at one with our environment, right? Our first order of business as bodhisattvas to propagate is to get ourselves right, get ourselves more and more enlightened. Because that very act, as we course through the world, not in a cave, not isolated, amongst others, is what begins the influence to their lives, right? And that's what attracts others to find out, what is it about you? What is it about that girl? that woman, that man, that boy. What, there's something, and then they have to work up the courage or enough curiosity to build their courage to broach a meeting with you, to ask you a question. It's your behavior, your life condition that's going to reach out and touch theirs before you say a word. So, this ancient account of king fine adornment or wondrous adornment or subhavuya, if you prefer, is really a story about some young practitioners who've discovered Lotus Sutra teaching, but they live in a household where their father is very stubborn about old teachings that he practices and uh, not fond of his son's 
both his sons exterior activities. So the sons try to negotiate with their mother and their mother just says, yeah, I'd love to go with you and give you permission to go because, you know, formal family structure. <laughs> but anyway, in the scope of the story, she beseeches them to demonstrate to their father what they've learned, the, the, the influence, influence their father, in other words, by their own life condition, so that the father willingly wants to go, and that way the whole family could go. She's a clever woman, right? She knows what she's doing. Because at the same time, she's also exhorting upon, uh, exhorting her children, her sons, that if they have a really valid point, they should be able to demonstrate it, right? See, the whole thing is about actual proof, actual experience. That's what motivates others. So let's just get into it. Thereupon the Buddha addressed the great assembly, saying, Once upon a time, immeasurable, limitless, inconceivable, incalculable kalpas ago, in a land far, far away, right? The storytelling. There was a Buddha named, and this is that, I don't know, 60-letter name. It's, it's all in, translated as thunder sound of clouds, Okay. He was a Tathagata, a completely enlightened Buddha. His land was called Vairochana Rasmipratimandita, and the Kalpa was named Priyadarsana. Darsana. There was a king practicing the teaching of the Buddha. He was called Fine Adornment. And his consort was named Vimaladatta. Now, these two sons were endowed. Oops, I skipped something here. Vimaladatta. Oh, uh, they had two sons. One was named Vimalagarbha and the other Vimalanetra. These two sons were endowed with great transcendent power, merit, and wisdom and practiced the Bodhisattva path for a long time. They were versed in the perfections of giving, dana, good conduct, sila, perseverance, santi, and effort, virya, meditation, dhyana, and wisdom, prajna, and skillful means and compassion, benevolence, joy, and generosity, as well as the 37 helpful ways to attain the dharma. Furthermore, they were also versed in the Bodhisattva Samadhis of Vimala and, and several others here. Then the Buddha, wanting to guide King Fine Adornment and out of compassion for sentient beings, taught this Lotus Sutra. At that time, Prince Vimalagarbha and Prince Vimalanetra approached their mother and addressed her with their palms and ten fingers pressed together, saying, We entreat you, O Mother, to go before the Buddha thunderson uh, sound of clouds. We shall go also go before him, together with you, attend him, make offerings to him, and pay him homage. Why is this? Because the Buddha teaches, Shakyamuni teaches the Lotus Sutra amid 
the assembly of all the devas and humans. Thus, we should all like to go and listen to him. Now, this is a little confusing to me because their father, as in the previous paragraph, is identified as a Buddha. So how did he reach complete, full enlightenment if he's not practicing the Lotus Sutra? There's a little discontinuity here, but let's just go with the storytelling. Maybe this is just a step back in time, right? And now uh, he's a Buddha, but at this time, perhaps he wasn't fully enlightened yet. I don't know, but there's a discontinuity here, yeah? So let's go on. Their mother answered the sons by saying, your father follows heresies and is deeply attached to the teachings of the Brahmins. So that's not a Buddha. See the discontinuity? You should go to your father to ask him to come with us. Vimalagarbha and Virunetra said to their mother, with their palms and ten fingers pressed together, we are the children of, king, of the king of the Dharma, although we were born in this house of wrong views. The mother replied to her son, saying, you should have compassion for your father and show him great miraculous things. If he sees them, his mind will be, certainly be purified, yeah? He will then allow us to go before the Buddha. Okay. Thereafter, the two sons jumped up into the air as high as seven tala trees and out of their love for their father showed him various miraculous things. We can only imagine what those were. Now remember, Buddhism is about the mind. So this is all a mental exercise, yes? They walked, stood, sat, and slept in the air, causing water to flow from their upper bodies and below, uh, blowing fire out of their lower bodies, causing what? Boy, I've had a flu like that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> causing water to flow from their lower bodies and blowing the fire out of their upper bodies, enlarging their bodies so that they fill the air, making them small and then enlarging them again disappearing in midair and instantly reappearing on the earth, entering the earth as if it were water and walking on the water as though it were earth. By showing miraculous marvels like these, they purified their father's mind and caused him to believe them. When their father saw the transcendent powers, now we're getting back to the subject, of his sons, he rejoiced a great deal at his unprecedented experience and addressed his sons with his palms pressed together, saying, now, you, you see that earlier paragraph with all their demonstrations? That's the influence. The way we're perceived, you can't, you can't possibly know that. But do know that whatever you, you're perceived as by others, if you maintain your higher life condition, your buddhaness, yes? Whatever they need to perceive is what they'll perceive. You can't enforce that. You can't say, this person's uh, influence, my influence will make this person see this or that or that. You don't know that. That's their mind. That's why this is a personal practice, yes? What you do know, what you can rely on, is that they will be influenced to move toward 
the Buddha way. Whether they understand that or not, not your business. It is and it isn't. How they understand it is their business. The support you provide with your life condition and assistances with study to provide for them all of the teaching support. It's all about support. So that they can reach their own insights. Right? Because we can't force enlightenment on people. We can't, it's not packaged. It's not in a vending machine. <laughs> right? It's nothing you can put in your wallet. It's something to support in others' nature because it's already there to awaken it. Right? It's like trying to have somebody else's dream. You can't. No matter how much information you, cha- you share, your dreams are not going to be their dreams. Hmm? Same thing with Buddha-ness. You can experience it. You can share your experiences. But how it's perceived by other is their path. Right? Who is your teacher? He says, whose pupils are you? Because you're demonstrating this wonderful life condition that I've not seen before. Obviously, you're picking this up from somewhere. What, what is... Who is doing this? The two sons said, O great king, their father, the Buddha, uh, thunderous sounds of clouds, is now sitting on the seat of the Dharma under the seven-jeweled Bodhi tree and teaching the Lotus Sutra extensively to the assembly of all the devas, humans in this world. He is our teacher. We are his pupils. The father said to the sons, I now also wish to see your teacher. Let me go with you. It worked. Mom. Mom's smart, right? Thereupon, the two sons descended from the air, approached their mother, and addressed her with palms pressed together, saying, Our father believed us and thought of the highest uh, complete enlightenment can now awaken in him. He's curious. He now sees a greater potential than what he's previously known. This is the Bodhisattva act. This is the Bodhisattva condition. Hmm? We entreat you, O Mother, to allow us to renounce household life and practice the Bodhisattva path under the guidance of the Buddha. So renounce household life. Perhaps I should put that in volume two. I keep thinking about that next book. You understand, renouncing household life is a typical refrain of those who would, in early Buddhism, um, leave the household life to join a monastery or, or secluded group to focus their minds on the practice of Buddhism, and, and in other disciplines as well, right? At that time, the two sons addressed the mother in verse, wanting to elaborate on the meaning further, by saying, we entreat you, O Mother, to allow us to renounce household life and to become shramanas. It is extremely difficult to meet Buddhas. We will learn by following this Buddha. It is more difficult to meet a Buddha than to see Adambara flowers. It is also difficult to escape from adversity. We entreat you to allow us to renounce household life. Not renounce it as in household life, bad, bad. 
renounce it as in I'm no longer in involved, engaged, owning or owned by or have household responsibility. Right? Yo yo, yo on your own. <laughs> okay. Their mother addressed them immediately, saying, I give my consent for you to renounce household life. What is the reason for this? It is because it is difficult to meet a Buddha. You have an amazing opportunity, right? Go off, young man. Go off to this great school. Then the two sons addressed their parents, both of them, saying, Splendid, O oh father and mother, we entreat you now to approach and meet the Buddha, the thunder sounds of clouds, and pay homage to him. Why is this? Because it is difficult to meet a Buddha, just as it is to see Adambara flowers, or for one-eyed turtle to find the hole in a floating piece of wood. Remember that story. Because of your profound, because of our profound merits accumulated in the past, we were born to meet the Buddha Dharma. For this reason, our father and mother should allow us to renounce household life. Why is this? Because it is difficult to meet Buddhas. And it is also difficult to obtain an opportunity for meeting them. At that time, 84,000 women in the palace of King Subayuha all became capable of perceiving this Lotus Sutra, this Myoho Renge Kyo. Bodhisattva Mila Mat Vimala Vyuha, no, Vimala Netra, sorry, one of the sons, had already been versed in the uh, Sadharma Pundarika Samadhi, which is Namo Myorengekyo, right? For a long time, that may not be what the BDK is saying it is, but that's what we know it is, yeah? For a long time, the Bodhisattva Vimalagarbha had also been versed in the Sarvastava Papajahana Samadhi for immeasurable hundreds of thousands of myriads of codas of kalpas, for he wanted all sentient beings to be separated from evil states of being, right? And what do we know evil stands for in these writings, these translations, right? Anything that derails us from the Buddha way. The consort of that king attained the Sarva. Buddha Samagiti Samadhi, and the secret treasure house of Buddhas was revealed to her. In this way, the two sons inspired their father through the power of their skillful means, although exemplified, there's the word, in this story as flying in the air and doing all those things. It simply meant they had skillful means to open the eyes of their father's mind, yeah? and caused him to have resolve, commitment, and pleasure in the Buddha Dharma. Then King Subhavyuha, together with his subjects and retinue, Queen Vimaladatta, together with her servants and retinue, and the two princes, together with 42,000 people, came before the Buddha at the same time. So I think I resolved my own curious uh, misinterpretation early on because the the Buddha that they were sons of was uh, Subha, what's his name, Subha Dadaya? Uh, and not the thunder uh, no, uh, sounds of clouds. Having approached the Buddha, they bowed until their foreheads touched his feet. 
then encircled him three times and sat on one side. At that time, the Buddha expounded and taught the Buddha Dharma for the king's sake, greatly benefiting and rejoicing him. Then King Subhavyuha, Subha, Subhavyuha ooh, and his queen took off their pearl necklaces worth hundreds of thousands, and hundreds of thousands of something, doesn't say, and scattered them over the Buddha in, in the air. They transformed into four-pillared jeweled platforms. On the platforms, a great jeweled bed spread with hundreds of thousands of myriads of heavenly cloths. The Buddha sat cross-legged upon it, emitting great rays of light, right? We know what that means. Then King Subhavyuha thought, the Buddha's form is marvelous, most superior in dignity, and given perfection by the most delicate countenance. Obviously, he was impressed, right? Thereupon the Buddha, thunder sounds of clouds, addressed the fourfold assembly, saying, you know what the fourfold assembly is, right? Hmm? Monks, nuns, laymen, laywomen. Do you see King Subhavyuha standing with his palms pressed together in my presence? This king has become a monk in my dharma. Right? What have I told you monk means? A dedicated student, yeah? He will diligently practice the dharma that aids those on the Buddha path and will become a Buddha. He will be called Salendrarajja. His land will be called Vistirnavati and the Kalpa Abhyudagdaraja. With this Buddha, Salendrarajja, will be innumerable bodhisattvas and sravakas. His land will be level, such will be his merits. That king immediately gave his kingdom to his younger brother. He renounced household life and practiced the Buddha Dharma together with his queen, two sons, and their retinue for a period of 84,000 years. 84,000 is a number that appears quite a lot, doesn't it? Like the 84,000s of Shakyamuni Buddha, teachings of Shakyamuni Buddha, I mean. Renouncing... Uh, Years after their renunciation, the king continued to make diligent efforts and practice the Myoho Rengekyo. After this, he attained the Sharva Gunalam Karavyahuha Samadhi, his own personal enlightenment. He ascended instantly into the air to the eight of the seven Tala trees, to the height of seven Tala trees. My glasses are messed up. That's what it is. <laughs> and addressed the Buddha saying, O Buddha, my two sons have done the Buddha's work. Through their miraculous deeds, their skillful means, they have reformed my erring mind so that I dwell in the Buddha Dharma. These two sons are my good friends. They enable me to see the Buddha. It, it was because they wanted to nurture the roots of good merit accumulated in my past and benefit me that they were born in this house. Then the Buddha, thunder, sound of clouds, addressed King Sabavyuha, saying, Exactly, exactly. 
It is exactly as you have said. If the sons and daughters of a virtuous family make good friends throughout many lives, after having planted roots of good merit to those, those good friends will perform the Buddha's work, illuminating, teaching, benefiting, and gladdening them, and will cause them to enter the highest complete enlightenment. O great king, you should know that a good friend is indeed a great spur that brings inspiration to others, causing them to meet a Buddha and the thought of highest complete enlightenment to awaken in them. So you could say a bodhisattva is actually somebody who endeavors to be a good friend to everyone they encounter. Hmm. Oh, great king, do you see these two sons? These two sons have already paid homage to Buddhas equal in number to the sands of 6,500,000 of myriads of codas of Nayutas of Ganges rivers. Closely attended by, uh, closely attended, the Buddhas, with respect, accepted the Lotus Sutra, the Myoho Rengekyo, in their presence and in their compassion caused sentient beings with false views to dwell in right views. Oh, my eyeballs today. Immediately after that, King Subhavyuha descended from the air and addressed the Buddha, saying, O Bhagavat, or O Buddha, the Tathagata is extraordinary. Because he is endowed with merits and wisdom, his top knot is brilliantly illuminated. His deep blue eyes are long and wide. The tuft of hair between his eyebrows is white like the bright moon. His white teeth are even and always shining. And his scarlet lips are like the bimba fruit in their beauty. In other words, he radiates Myoho enlightenment, the Buddha path. All right? At that time, King Subhavyuha praised immeasurable hundreds of thousands of myriads of codas of qualities of the Buddha like these, and again wholeheartedly addressed the Buddha with his palms pressed together in the presence of the Tathagata, saying, O Buddha, this is unprecedented. The Tathagata's dharma is endowed and perfected with inconceivable subtle qualities. His teaching, integrity, and deeds are serene and comfortable. From today on, we shall never act selfishly, and the wrongful thoughts of false views, pride, and anger shall never awaken in us. Having spoken these words, he bowed to the Buddha and went away. The Buddha addressed the great assembly, saying, What do you think about this? Is King Subhavyuha someone unknown? He is none other than this Bodhisattva Padmasri. His queen, Vimaladatta, is none other than Vairochana Misparadama. Now in the presence of the Buddha, because she had compassion for King Subhavyuha and his retinue, she was born here. Ah, now we understand the, the name convention. Again, he teaches in these, in these stories using personages, possibilities of behavior, right? Commitment. And the effects of that commitment. Hmm? 
These two sons are none other than Bodhisattva Bhaisvarya, Medicine King, and Bodhisattva, um, I don't remember that one, Mudgata. These Bodhisattvas perfected great qualities such as these, having planted many roots of good merit under the guidance of innumerable hundreds of thousands of myriads of codas of Buddhas, perfectly inconceivable good merit perfected inconceivable good merit. If anyone holds the names of these two bodhisattvas in memory, the devas and humans in the entire world will certainly pay homage to those bodhisattvas. They're the bodhisattvas we talked about previously, right? There was Medicine King and there was a, a hearer of the world sounds, right? So basically he's told a story not about different people. Don't miss this point. These personages are displays of the same kind of mental commitment, attitude, and intent in a different storytelling context. But the commitment, right, the energetic dedication, the attitude and intent, same, same, just in a different context. Again, calling back the immeasurable uh, or innumerable meanings sutra, saying, as you hear me repeat all the time, that each one of us follows a distinct path to Buddhaness. There is no one path. There is one vehicle, Myoho But how it functions to create insights and opening Gohonzon mind, your Gohonzon mind, is specific to you. That's why you could never make a scroll of each Gohonzon mind, but you can make a scroll that pulls your focus together to open that individual unique Gohonzon mind, to open the Buddha eye. Hmm? If anyone holds the names of these two Bodhisattvas in memory, the devas and humans in the entire world will certainly pay homage to those two bodhisattvas. And this is how propagation works, yes? When the Buddha taught this chapter, ancient accounts of King Subhavya, 84,000 people removed themselves from impurity, rid themselves of defilement, and attained pure Dharma eyes with which to see the teachings or experience Buddhaness. Hmm? That's the end of chapter 27. And just like that, we are smack dab at chapter 28, Encouragement of Bodhisattva Samantabhadra, which is a universal virtue, I believe. <laughs> On this one, universal worthy. And just so, in case you're wondering, and we will read this one as well. This is the Lotus Sutra, uh, Leon Hurwitz edition. This is the one that I had said before, uh, Jacqueline Stone and her academic group uh, consider to be the most accurate translation of uh, Kumarajiva's Chinese translation. So we'll see. We'll read that one next um, and see how it compares to this BDK translation. Um, the wording, the translation will be different, so you'll be able to see that. 
but the message should be very contiguous. Yeah. Anyway, next video will be chapter 28, the encouragement of Bodhisattva uh, Universal Worthy. And uh, that will complete. Where did it go? That will complete uh, this BDK translation of the Lotus Sutra. So I hope uh, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I hope you're getting your own insights as we go here. Uh, any questions or confusions? Because days like today, I, uh, I stumble all over my own tongue. <laughs> so uh, if I left anything odd uh, or didn't say anything clearly, I'll blame the translation. No, <laughs> just let me know in the comments and I'll try to redress it um, as much as I'm able. Yeah. In the meantime, keep your practice strong. That's the message here all the time. Uh, share it. It, it may help. May, uh, maybe not my stumblings today, but share it uh, to help you to help others, inspire others to become curious and chase after this Buddha way. Um, will help you immeasurably because it reflects right back to you, right? Lifts your life condition. And uh, thank you for supporting this effort, this resource, which is this channel, the website, the bookstores, on and on. The, the free uh, podcasts, all the links are in the description. You know what to do. Uh, thank you for liking and subscribing. It's very important for our propagation and growth of this Sangha on this channel. And then in, in the meantime, as I always say, be kind to yourself, take care of your health, and I'll see you in the next one, all right? Bye for now. <laughs>